Well, we start hour number two of the Bruce Hooley Show with really good news. Uh, we've gotten a reprieve on the uh, existen- existential threat level of uh, climate change. Uh, Greta Thunberg, the uh, Scandinavian no longer teenager, has deleted a tweet from her Twitter timeline. A tweet that she deleted said this. A top climate scientist is warning that climate change will wipe out all of humanity unless we stop using fossil fuels over the next five years. Apparently, we have more time left. That's good news. It's a great way to start. Hour number two of the Bruce Hooley Show here on 94.5 The Answer and 98.9 The Answer. Uh, I did not watch a second or even a half a second of the Oscars last night, but... It was not a good night for woke Hollywood, other than uh, amid their virtue signaling, they perpetuated an idea that they would love to go away. The winning movie, the best film of the year, a movie I did not see, is called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. So no, I just thought perhaps that was a movie, given the title, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I thought maybe that was the story of a once great nation where everything had turned to crap upon the election of a president who'd been serving in some sort of elected office for the better part of 50 years. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Things turning to crap. But no, it was not about the Biden administration. It is about uh, a Chinese-American laundromat owner grappling with an IRS audit. Okay, so three of the four top acting honors went to people in everything, everywhere, all at once, including Ki Hu Kwan for Best Supporting Actor. Now, does anyone know what role Ki Hu Kwan played in the movies prior to becoming known for Best Supporting Actor in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I recognized her face. I watched a little bit of it last night. Now, you're talking about the Best Supporting, the Best Actress. I'm talking about the guy who played the husband of her in the movie. He was uh, short round in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Mr. Jones! Mr. Jones! And he was in Goonies. I looked it up because as soon as he started speaking, I recognized his voice. Yes. How dare I imitate his accent? It's probably <laughs> racist. Uh, but yeah, he was out of the movies for a while, and now he's back, and he's won Best Supporting Actor. And the orchestra was late to the party on, you know how they play the music? The music starts playing when a person talks too long. Well, they try to try to try get, to get him to wrap off it the up. stage, right. trying to give him the bums right. rush, you know, get out of here, get out of here. So here's what he said. My journey started on a boat, okay? So let me give you his nationality. He is a Vietnamese-born American actor. He was crying in his accepting speech. From the beginning, he was just, yes, very emotional. He was not in movies for a long time. He thought his career was over. So to get this opportunity, he reflected on his life, as many people would, and it's the greatest uh, day of recognizing their professional achievements. He said, my journey started on a boat. I spent a year in a refugee camp, and somehow I ended up here on Hollywood's biggest stage. They say stories like this only happen in the movies. I cannot believe it's happening to me. This is the American dream. Yes, that is the American dream. 
And he's not there because he was given it because, oh, there's a preponderance of uh, violence toward Asian Americans, and so we have to make uh, allowances and give somebody something that they don't deserve. No, he was there because someone gave him a chance to let his abilities and gifts and talents shine, and he took advantage of the opportunity, and he pressed through adversity. All those years he was not in the movies, you know what he wasn't doing? He wasn't giving a TED Talk about how much of a victim he was. He wasn't going to the inauguration of the president and basking in the fact that, oh, this has thrown me for such a loop, and it's so unfair. No, he probably got a job like driving a taxi or driving an Uber because he had bills to pay. And the fact that he'd spent a year in a refugee camp told him that even though his life was not everything that he hoped it would be when he was short round in Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, his life was still pretty good, comparatively speaking. And he kept his nose to the grindstone and he kept working. And he wound up being rewarded for what? Pressing through adversity, not for celebrating his victimhood. That's why I'm very happy to see this guy win and to get up there and say something that was decidedly not a viewpoint that Hollywood would dare to celebrate because America has to be a horrible, awful, terrible, very bad place. Toward the end of his acceptance speech, he pointed at the camera, looked straight into the camera and said, never give up on your dreams. And that kind of became a theme for the rest of the night. I watched most of it. Yeah. I was curious because I wanted Top Gun to win a lot, and they didn't. Now, there is they a got limit. sound. There is a that limit, it. Pam. <laughs> I know. a limit to what will be allowed. And I liked Lady Gaga's song for Top Gun, so yeah. But uh, I was, yeah. No. Yeah, Pam is right. He she said, dreams are something that you yes. have to believe in. I almost gave up on mine to all of you out there. Please keep your dreams alive. So good for him, and good for him for saying what he has to know was not popular at all in Hollywood. This might have been the pinnacle of his career because now he'll never get another job because he dares gets up there and talks about the American dream. So good for him. That's great. Now, it's not great in East Palestine. We've talked before about what does this do to the real estate market in East Palestine, this February 3rd train derailment. Well, got some details on that. 18 houses were for sale in East Palestine at one point in February. One of them is a couple that has moved to a farmhouse a few miles north of East Palestine. They were making, it did what I did. Uh, When we bought our house that we now have in the country, that we have made our home for the better part of 20 years, we still had our home um, in the city. We were trying to sell it. We were going to make a few improvements to it, carry two mortgages for a while, not very long. We were confident it would sell. But we had a couple things we wanted to do to it to spruce it up to get maximum value. This is what this couple did. Um, They are 47 years old. And they did what everybody does who's selling a house, right? You look at comparables. What are other homes like ours selling for? And they assessed that their home on about a half an acre, which had a two-car garage, privacy fence, jacuzzi, an outlot in the backyard, was going to be able to be sold for $175,000. They had spent about 10000 to get it ready. They were just about ready to sell it. They had 10 interested buyers. They had showings scheduled. And then the train derailed. And they cut their price to $150,000. And nobody showed up. Nobody showed up for the showings. At 10, nobody showed up. 
And so this guy goes to Norfolk Southern and he says, hey, uh, my dad retired from Norfolk Southern. My mom works for Amtrak. We love railroads, but you got to make us whole here. And the Norfolk Southern guy said, oh, sorry about your luck. They are not going to, at least at this point, until they are forced to, they are not going to buy homes or what would be simple is go back and do some kind of a reasonable assessment of what the real, I mean, it's not like there wasn't real estate transacted in East Palestine in January and early February. There have to be, right? So just do hire a couple real estate agents. They do this all the time. When I had my real estate agent, this is what you do when a house goes on the market. You do an analysis of what are their homes in this zip code, on this street, in this neighborhood, with these schools, with this number of bedrooms, this number of bathrooms. What have they sold for? It's very easy to do. The data is all right there. And you do an assessment of the home. And then if somebody's house sells and it sells for 20000 under that, 30000 under that, what would Norfolk Southern rather do? Buy the house entirely and own all of East Palestine? Or would it rather fill in the gap and, by the way, spend the relatively, to its bottom line, small amount of money to have the residents of East Palestine say, you know what, I had my doubts. But eat, but Norfolk Southern Railroad came through for us. They backstopped us on the difference between what we sold the house for and what we would have been able, we think, based on market analysis, to sell the house for in advance of the train derailment. That's all Norfolk Southern has to do. It is like sometimes, not just businesses, but I've talked before about universities, just big entities. There's such a clear, open, wide path to a PR win. It's waving at you with like a neon sign. Come over here. Follow me. Pay the difference between what they would have gotten in January and what they got now that the train derailed. And take the victory lap. And they go, no thanks. We'd rather dig in and play hardball and fight it. For a year, two years, there'll be lawsuits. There are already 18 lawsuits filed. We'll fight the lawsuits. We'll spend exponentially more in attorney fees to fight these lawsuits. And guess what? Even if you win, you lose. Because you end up looking terrible. Because you crush the little guy all over again. Well, we are about to get a new entrant in the Republican race for the nomination to be the president to run against Joe Biden in 2024. The next person in the pool is said to be South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. Uh, Tim Scott, to me, is a guy who might well, be a powerful candidate. I mean, he's got a great story to tell. He's got a story to tell just much like the story we just talked about with Ki Hu Kwan, the Oscar-winning uh, Best Supporting Actor. Tim Scott has lived his own version of the American dream. He grew up very, very, very poor. Uh, His uh, parents and grandparents grew up very, very poor. And so here is Tim Scott talking uh, at a speech a month or so ago. A guy like this on the campaign trail, hmm, it's pretty hard to say that he's uh, racist and that he's, uh, you know, an entitled narcissist like Donald Trump or that he is a fascist 
like Ron DeSantis, that is how they will portray both Trump and DeSantis. It's not how I would portray them, but that is you know how they will be portrayed. What will they say about Tim Scott? I see 330 Americans to celebrating our shared blessings again, tolerating our differences again, and having each other's backs again. This is what I see, a new American sunrise, even brighter than before. So when you run for president and you run for a party's nomination for president, you have to carve out your own lane, right? Well, we know what Donald Trump's lane is. Donald Trump's lane is they hate me, they hate you, they're evil, they're stupid, and uh, they need to be – He's what was his last line? He said, I am your retribution, right? <laughs> he, Donald Trump is saying, if I get in there, I'm going to kick tail and take names and make them like it. That's Donald Trump's lane. Nikki Haley's lane is, I've governed before in South Carolina. I have international experience as the uh, U.N. ambassador, and we need new, younger leadership. Despite what Don Lemon says, I'm in my prime. And I'm ready to lead the Republican Party. New generation of leadership. Ron DeSantis's lane, like if Haley's in the right lane and Trump is in the third lane, DeSantis is right in the middle lane, right? He's a little Trump. He's a little Haley. He's very effective governor. And I don't mean by that governor of Florida, although that's where he's proved he is a very effective person who governs. But he's also got like Trump's snarkiness and not going to put up with any nonsense attitude. And he knows how to put people in their place without being too overt with it, right? That's why I really like DeSantis. He suffers fools, not at all. He gets things done. See, I think he's a targeted Trump. We always said, man, if we could get Trump without Twitter, wouldn't that be great? Yeah, it would. It's Ron DeSantis. He's Trump without Twitter. So what is Tim Scott's lane? Tim Scott's lane, pretty smart actually, is the Reagan lane. The Reagan lane was the happy warrior lane. The happy warrior lane. The They're nuts over there on the other side of the aisle. And isn't that too bad they're nuts? Because America's a great place. And I, I freely admit they're nuts. But I feel bad for them that they're nuts. And we're going to have to like... Show them they're nuts in a nice way, and we're not going to be mean and nasty. See, Tim Scott, that could lure some white suburban women who feel bad voting for Donald Trump. They just can't bring themselves to vote for Donald Trump. Well, they know things are terrible in their local schools. Oh, boy, are they ever terrible in their local public schools. And they'd like to have somebody on the case for them, but mm, just don't feel right voting for Donald Trump. Well, they could feel right voting for Tim Scott. So that is his lane. And would he be my first choice? No, he would not be my first choice. Would he make a fantastic vice president? Yes. Right now, I would take a DeSantis Scott ticket if I could get it. DeSantis Scott. Boom. Sign me up for that. Say, what about Trump, Bruce? I'll say it again. I will vote for Trump. I will have no problem voting for Trump because an election is a binary choice. Who's better? Not who's perfect. Not who do I like 100% because I rarely like a candidate 100%. But who's better? 
Donald Trump was better than Hillary. So I voted for Donald Trump. Donald Trump proved he was better than Hillary because he was a fantastic president from a policy perspective. But he was not a fantastic president in that he was his own worst enemy because rather than using his accomplishments to build bridges to knuckleheads who did not vote for him, he alienated them. Given his record on employment, economy, national defense, scaring Vladimir Putin out of his slippers to not making a move in Ukraine, Donald Trump was a fantastic president. But the reason people didn't vote for him, or enough people didn't vote for him, had nothing to do with his policies, right? Did you ever hear anybody say, other than a wacko Democrat, well, I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump because he made the border more secure. I'm not going to vote for Donald Trump because he's the first president I can ever remember who didn't get us involved in any foreign wars. And I like foreign wars. I want to be involved in a foreign war. Nobody said that. I'm going to vote for Donald Trump because even though black unemployment is at historic lows, it's not historically low enough. Did anybody say that? No, nobody said that. What did they say? He's mean, and he's nasty, and he's orange, and he's bad. And some combination, right? It was all the, what I would call the intangibles of a president. I don't really, I'd prefer that we have a perfect gentleman or gentlewoman in the office. I'd love that. It'd be great. Wonderful role model for kids. I'd love to have a sold-out, 100% evangelical Christian in that role. Great, fantastic, wonderful role model. Ideally, that is who we have in that office. But if I can't get that, I would much rather have a pit bull whose personal and moral life is a train wreck, as long as he doesn't kill babies, and as long as he doesn't advocate for carving up youth by dismembering them from healthy body tissues because they have a mental delusion that they are not the sex they were born, okay? Like, I got a lot of room for what I'll put up with relative to what I won't put up with, but I won't put up for somebody who kills babies or harms children, either psychologically or medically or tangibly. So that's where I sit right now. Tim Scott in the race, great, fantastic. I don't think he can win, but if he does win, I won't be upset. But I think he can win hearts to him who he could bring to a ticket if he partners with somebody like Ron DeSantis. I don't think Nikki Haley will get the nomination. So that's not really an issue. 